Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Welcome to the podcast. Who was Monita Sleet Jr.? Why is he a significant Kentuckian you should know about? If you don't know the name Monita Sleet Jr. after today's conversation, you will be better informed about his life and his contributions to national stories. Joining me are two members of the Through Sleet's Eyes Festival Committee in Owensboro and part of the creative force which worked to bring Sleet's story to many more people in Davis County and Owensboro and Western Kentucky and throughout Kentucky. Emmy Woosley is a graduate of Owensboro Senior High School and Western Kentucky University, where she majored in chemistry and minored in music performance. After graduation, Emmy began working as a quality assurance engineer uh, for the uh, Safety Systems of America. Emmy, how do you pronounce that? Is that Denzel? Dysel. Dysel Safety S- Systems America. For the last decade, her work has focused on new product design and regulation adherence for the automotive airbag industry. Outside her professional life, Emmy is uh, passionate about the arts and community development. She's currently, uh, for a few more days, enrolled uh, at Vanderbilt University's Owen Graduate School, and she'll graduate with a Master of Business Administration, like I said, just in the next few days. So congratulations, uh, Emmy, for that, and we'll talk to her in just a minute. And also joining uh, Emmy is uh, Drew Hardesty. He's the owner of Wonder Boy Media, the region's uh, leading provider of digital content and marketing. Wonder Boy Media was created in 2016 with an emphasis on storytelling. Uh, Drew's role uh, as the sole owner of Wonder Boy Media is uh, his passion for videography and photography uh, that continues to grow and grow. In addition, his passion for his city of Owensboro and uh, all that he does uh, there. He's a recent uh, graduate of Leadership Owensboro. He helped uh, broaden the view of uh, on Uh, life in his native city uh, by the work that he's done over the many years as a documentary producer and a photographer. And he is uh, the one uh, chiefly responsible for the documentary that was part of the festival. So getting a little ahead of ourselves there, uh, first of all, for those of you who don't know Monita Sleet Jr., uh, Emmy, um, as uh, one who I'm going to ask this right off the top, who was Monita Sleet Jr.? Well, that's a great question. And it's one that um, we hope through the next you know, few years, every Kentuckian will know the answer to that right away. But first and foremost, Monita Sleet Jr. is a Kentuckian. He was born in Owensboro and he attended a segregated high school. He attended Western High School, which then soon would be integrated into Owensboro Senior High. And while he was a child, his parents gave him a camera. And that is going to spark this idea and this love of photography in him. After graduation, where he was valedictorian, um, Sleet went on to Kentucky State. 
And while he was at Kentucky State, he was a business major, but he never lost that love for photography. And so he started working in dark rooms and working for the, um, the paper and the media at Kentucky State. And then Sleet went on to then go to NYU and then got a job with Johnson Publishing. And so at, with Johnson Publishing, he was working with Ebony and Jet magazines. And then this is where we really start to take some pride in this man that everybody seems to love. And Sleet was the first African-American man to win a Pulitzer Prize. And he won that for the beautiful and heart-wrenching photo of Coretta Scott King and her daughter Bernice at Martin Luther King's funeral. And so that's what really like set Sleet on the map but the body of work he has while he was shooting for Ebony and Jet is just prolific. And I guarantee you have seen his work. You just don't know that it's his. Drew, as the documentary producer, uh, what did you learn about Monita um, that you didn't know before? And were you discovering him for the first time? Absolutely. Um, it should be noted this has been Emmy's brainchild from day one. And um, <clears throat> so she turned me on to him and I immediately went to see what his work was, what he's done. Maybe I would have recognized some photos and was just blown away by the photos I know I had seen before, but had no idea they were shot by someone from Owensboro. And, um, you know, I was I was learning about him, learning about his life. Um, and I did a lot of that through just looking at his photos and, you know, it, his, his body of work, as Emmy mentioned, was just so great and grand and covered so many genres, really. You know, he loved photographing children. He loved, uh, he did fashion photography, obviously the civil rights movement. So uh, he, he just had a wide variety of, of genres that he photographed. Not only that, but he was an artist, like an, an absolute artist with an eye for art and, and always finding a way to work that into whatever he was photographing, civil rights movement, children, they're all very artistic. Now, he was uh, born in 1926 uh, and, and died uh, rather young uh, in 1996, young in that he had many, many more years of, um, of photography left in him. I don't think he, he was retired at the time. Um, he was still working, but he had a... a uh, a disease that took his life um, early. Um, let's talk a little bit more, uh, Emmy and Drew, about his early life and, and about early Owensboro at that time. Um, obviously, being born in 1926, he was in the school system in the, um, in the 30s and, and 40s. Um, what do we know about Owensboro, about uh, segregated Owensboro? Uh, at that time and what he uh, uh, might have recognized um, as uh, setting himself apart or, or did he um, ever uh, convey to others or did the people that you talked to ever convey to others about what his life must have been like uh, as a young boy uh, growing up in, in Owensboro? Well, so first and foremost, unfortunately, we know just based on the time frame that there was segregation. And one of the stories that Greg Sleep, Monita's son, um, told Drew and I when we when we got to spend some time with him is about how Sleep couldn't go to the school closest to his home because it was a white school. 
And so he had to travel further away to go to the all black school. Um, but, but Greg also told us that he never felt like his father harbored any hard feelings towards his time in Owensboro because there was such a tight knit community in what we refer to as Baptist town, um, in Owensboro. And the Monita's father, Monita Slate senior was a avid educator. And so from what we've learned and the stories we've heard, it, it was paramount that education was important in their household and that this idea that no matter where you're from or who you are, you can go on to do great things. And I think that's evident by the fact that he was valedictorian and then that he went on to Kentucky State and then he went on again to further his degree. Um, it, he didn't let any of those things limit him. Drew, as a... Um... As someone who uh, works uh, in in the visual arts, uh, tell us the what you know about Ebony and Jet uh, magazines. First of all, I'm going to ask a, uh, a pretty naive uh, question about whether or not uh, either one of them. I think Ebony is still being published. I don't know about Jet. Used to be a a little small magazine, almost like a Reader's Digest, if I remember correctly. Are are they still being published? And at that time, uh, Johnson Publications, if you know the the origins of uh, of the owner, Mr. Johnson, and how he started that, uh, because that's where uh, we understand that Monita, uh, as you said, uh, got his first uh, job. Correct. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, Ebony is still being produced, but digitally. I don't believe they they print uh, magazines anymore, and I don't think Jet is in production anymore. Um, but you can still, I believe, you can go to Ebony's website and see, you know, updated issues. Um, but it's mainly it was it was created as um, magazines on fashion and um, celebrities and all the popular things in society, but geared towards the black population. So um, this was this was their way to learn about politics and their way to learn about you know what was going on and what was relevant to them, and then it it really boomed in that civil rights movement you know because that was that back then you didn't have Twitter and and cell phones and so you didn't know about the protests going on in Selma you didn't know about you know the the march to Montgomery so you you learned through these publications uh, and so that was really. Um, that and obviously the newspaper was was how the black community learned what was going on, what's happening in the country. And Emmy, uh, you um, uh, know that Ebony is now headquartered in Louisville. Yeah, actually. So when we were working on the festival, um, we were very fortunate to have some connections made so that we could we could talk with Ebony Magazine, and they're now headquartered in Louisville. Um, and they actually did a feature on the festival before it happened um, that ran on their online publication. Interesting. Well, I, I didn't know that myself. That might be something that that uh, I'd want to look in uh, to maybe for a podcast. So um, I guess it's uh, without uh, going too much in depth there, Ebony and Chet and, and maybe other publications, uh, other uh, uh, African-American publications were the voice for the African-American community uh, at that in that era, in that time. And, and still up to this day, I'm sure uh, their readership is 
is wide and far. Uh, Johnson uh, and his publications, um, uh, whether or not there are still family members that are involved in that or not, uh, did did really well in in the publication uh, area. Um, so for uh, don't you think Drew for Monita Sleet uh, to uh, graduate, then do some uh, graduate work at uh, at NYU, I think, and and to get a job with a prestigious uh, magazine in that time period was quite an accomplishment for him. And and uh, do we know much about how that how that happened? You know, he uh, did an interview with KET and mentions very briefly how he um, worked for, and I can't remember the name of it escapes me now, but it was in uh, uh, the mold of the Look magazine, the like the big Ebony, Ebony magazines. And then that publication uh, went under and that's how he got, he kind of got his feet wet there. And then that gave him the experience. Obviously he had the education that he needed to uh, get the job with Johnson publication. And, uh, you know, some real quick about Johnson is I believe that organization went bankrupt or closed. And that's kind of where all the hang up is with the rights for his photos. Because, you know, as you know, when he shot those photos for Ebony and Jet magazines, they had the, they owned the rights to those. Well, then when the business went under, who's going to have those rights now? And so, uh, you know, a conglomerate of organizations got together to purchase those and make sure that they were, you know, um, maintained and, and kept safe, safe, which is good because they're apparently the, the photos that we have access to is a fraction of what's out there and would love to get my hands on any of those other photos. You know, there's no telling what other photos he was able to capture during the civil rights movement or on his trips to Africa that we just haven't seen yet. So, yeah, we, yeah, Amy, go ahead, please. I was going to say, Drew and I have teased, we need to find an intern to send to the Smithsonian just solely to work on getting those um, negatives archived yep. because there, there's just no telling what's left to be seen. So are you sure that the, the, that's the repository uh, at the Smithsonian? Yes, as far as we know, they're, they're kept there and they're kept there on purpose because it would be um, better maintained, you know, than mm. in a, a library somewhere or in an attic somewhere. So uh, I think, you know, when, when these organizations came together to purchase it, it was under the agreement that this needs to go to the Smithsonian so that it's taken care of. Hmm. Um. So now, uh, Emmy, if you would, uh, you were uh, heading up uh, the the festival uh, as the as the chair, if you will, uh, as uh, part of the creative team. Uh, Drew was a member of that, along with a lot of other uh, interested parties in in Owensboro. Uh, a number of citizens came together. Groups uh, all worked on the festival. Describe the festival, which took place in February, um, and how all of that came to be. I mean, this could have been just a a weekend display, but but you decided, or somebody decided, to make it more. Tell us about it. So, it it kind of goes back to when Drew and I and several others were in Leadership Owensboro, class of twenty twenty one, and we had this idea to honor Sleet, um, and we commissioned a local artist, K.O. Lewis, who's somebody that I hope all Kentuckians know his name as well. Um, but we commissioned K.O. to do a portrait and that portrait started rotating through our schools with 
educational material about sleep. And from there, it just started to evolve. And we had different parties say, hey, we want to be involved in this. And what if we did this? And so we got a group together and started fundraising. And that's how we were able to create the panels that um, display different errors, eras of sleep photography. So you've got the civil rights and then you've got the, the intimate photos with the King family. But then you've also got the entertainment section that he did, which is just so incredible and, and very stylistically different than say the March at Selma. And then also we were able to curate some um, family photos and some photos from friends of Sleets that really help us tell that story better. And then we were also able to use Drew's skills to create this documentary to, to showcase um, what it's like as a person and, and, and hear these firsthand narratives about Sleet and everybody that talks about this man just talks about what a great, kind, gentle giant he was. And that just, we wanted to tell that story in a, in a digital format. And then also we um, worked with the local arts agency, River Park Center, and they commissioned a play, which was a way to showcase how Sleet's legacy can go from not just the photographs that he has taken of history, but then also what it could mean to the modern audience and what it could mean to kids moving forward. And that was an original piece by Jeremy Gillette, who's um, adjunct faculty at UK, and just a really neat way to kind of round out the evening. To both of you, uh, we've mentioned some uh, incidents uh, where uh, Sleet was uh, front and center as the photographer. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit more in, in depth about those. And Sarah, uh, Amy, if you could kind of walk us through the uh, as I see it, uh, because Kentucky Humanities, as I mentioned uh, off uh, the podcast here, we were a very small part of uh, of uh, the festival, very small part, but we were in attendance there uh, that evening, which was marvelous and wonderful, and and I, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. It was so well worth uh, that, uh, but. Uh, walk us through the door uh, way into uh, what the panels depicted and, and the eras that you, you talked about and, and how you uh, constructed that in a way that sort of told the, told the story of his progression from, from civil rights and, and, uh, and politics and entertainment, uh, including, I don't know if we've mentioned Muhammad Ali's name, except for the Muhammad Ali Center. Uh, well, that was that was something else we talked about. But so so just kind of walk us through the as the door is opening and what people uh, saw in Owensboro. Yeah, so um, the obviously the the capstone piece is the photograph of Coretta Scott King and her daughter Bernice at the funeral of Martin Luther King Jr. And so that's the photo that that anchors the whole exhibit. But then as you walk through, you're going to, the first panel you come to, you're going to see these intimate photos of the King family. And, and that's, those are photos that no one else could get. Sleet traveled with them. He was, you know, probably basically just like family and friend to them. And so you see these moments where Martin Luther King is not just this giant um, civil rights leader that we all know, but just a dad playing with his children. And that to me 
like just totally begins this idea that sleep was capturing real life. And isn't there a story too that um, uh, upon his death, upon King's death, uh, yeah, I know what you're getting at. You know the story I'm talking about. Tell us that story. So um, the the story goes, and we and we've heard it now from several different people, but when the the church was being filled for the funeral, there was no representation from black media at the funeral. And it's our understanding that Coretta Scott King herself said that if sleep was not in the press corps, there would be no press corps um, at, at the funeral. And that speaks to this moment where she recognized the importance of having her friend um, Monita Sleep there to depict um, this, you know, horrific moment in her life. Um, and another thing that's really interesting about that, and, and Drew, you might want to chime in because I know you know the story too, but Sleet talked about that photograph and how it was Bernice King that he noticed and, and why he focused on her. Yeah, just as a, you know, he's a father, he's a dad himself. Uh, he was at home when he heard the news that King was assassinated. And so, you know, he's he had empathy for for Bernice and for, you know, Coretta, just um, noticing her fidgeting in her lap and that she uh, just kind of didn't know what was going on, what's happening, a little confused. And, you know, everybody around her's all in tears. And so uh, he just thought that was a really poignant moment to capture this, um, you know, how 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 wide this affected people the, the ripple effect of this assassination you know it didn't just hurt the civil rights movement it hurt family it hurt his daughter and um another another interesting tidbit you know working for a, a magazine a publication like that he wasn't able to be entered into a, a pulitzer prize you had to work for a newspaper publication to to enter a pulitzer or to win a pulitzer but since the um the press pull at the funeral was managed by the associated press uh, he gave all his negatives to them. They developed them, chose the one they wanted to run. And because of that, it was the only way he was able to get that Pulitzer. So, you know, you can imagine his surprise when he finds out he's won this Pulitzer Prize and doesn't even work for a newspaper, um, but obviously well-deserved prize. Did he ever work for a newspaper? I don't believe so. I think he worked most, all of his, well, most of his life for Ebony and Jet. And, uh, you know, one of his last assignments for them was the 96 Olympics. And, and then, you know, he shortly passed, um, you know, shortly after that. But, yeah, he worked for Ebony and Jet. I think uh, there's a story that Greg and, and Monita's wife, um, Juanita, uh, they they wanted them to leave. They wanted them to go somewhere else. They wanted them to work for this newspaper or that publication. And he just always felt, you know, a strong connection with Johnson and Johnson Publishing and, um, you know, just, just had it in his mind that, that's where he needed to be. It's where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other interesting aspects uh, of the festival, I found not only did the family come from um, uh, some of them from from New York, some of the family came from New York. That's where uh, Monita Sleet uh, Jr. Uh, ended up and, and where, where he lived and where his family was raised, his, his son and daughter. Um, um, and, and they were attending uh, in, in attendance at the festival. Uh, but he also had 
and they had not visited Owensboro maybe, maybe once or twice before that that's uh, he Monita Sleet Jr. might not have come back that often or at least he didn't come back as as the photographer that that was should have been known by by many but the other aspect of of it is the Paraville link uh to Monita Sleet Jr. and uh, could could one of you uh, relay uh, relate that story uh, to us, please? Yeah. So um, around Perryville, um, there was a congregated group of African Americans, and they started this community that they referred to as Sleet Town, and um, some of those those uh, people were Sleet's relatives um but then the coolest thing was you know we're promoting the festival on facebook and things like that and we start seeing these comments that are well i'm sleep's cousin and i'm coming from perryville or oh i live in danville and i'm coming and so we had these lovely women um who showed up and they had t-shirts on that said something about sleep family and and how proud they were of their cousin who, you know, had gone on to do such great things. And so it was just so heartwarming to see these women come to the Western part of the state and tell their story. And, and Drew, I know one of them showed you, but she had that genealogy uh, book like listed out with all the different connections. And they shared those connections with Greg and Lisa, Sleet's children. And it was just so heartwarming to feel their pride in him. And it just like, made everybody smile. We're going to take a, a pause here and hear from our underwriter. Uh, but on the other side, uh, uh, I'd like to ask Drew if he would uh, uh, talk a little bit about the documentary and uh, the people that uh, he featured in it. And then we're going to hear a, a short uh, clip from uh, his documentary uh, before we close out. Uh, but first, let's hear from our good friends at Spalding University. At Spalding University's Low Residency MFA program, creative writing students come to campus for an exciting week of learning each semester, followed by independent study from home that fits in with work and family life. Write prolifically, explore across genres, gain editorial experience on a literary journal, and become part of a lifelong writing community. Writers thrive at Spalding's Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing. Learn more at spalding.edu forward slash MFA or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Drew, of um, all the work that you put in on this, and, and uh, you certainly had support and help, and uh, you worked with Emmy uh, closely and, and others, um, who most impressed you um, from the, the colleagues that he had that you interviewed, uh, some of whom were at the, um, at the festival in person, uh, but uh, all were captured uh, in your film. Oh, that's hard. Uh, they all have, I have a, a connection with them all in a different way. Um, you know, Fred Watkins, uh, we like to joke, he welcomed us into his home like it was Thanksgiving dinner. And, um, you know, was just as kind as he could be. Funny, funny man. Now, who is Fred? Dude, give us a little context sure. about who they worked, where, where they worked with him and who, how they knew him and that sort of thing. So of the three colleagues that we interviewed, Fred was the one that worked the most closely with Monita. 
And and something else we also learned in all of our interviews is nobody called him Monita. They all called him Sleep. <laughs> so uh, Fred worked the closest with Sleep, and um, he t- he tells a really endearing story about first meeting him and how he had tears in his eyes and and you know he's he 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 was had a lot of funny stories to tell. And so my relation with him is is humor. I always think of humor. Um, we also met uh, with Ozir Muhammad, who himself is a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer, and he was the one that came into town for the festival. Um, he had a lot to say about, uh, I think, the civil rights movement is where I connected with him the most. Um, you know, his his grandfather founded the Nation of Islam, and so um, they, they had that connection with, you know, Malcolm X and things going on in that time period that... Um, that were just extremely interesting. And he's a kind soul, like just to the core, just a kind, gentle man. Um, And I think we also interviewed Vandell Cobb, who worked out of the Chicago office. And he uh, he had some of the most amazing one lines. Like, you know, when I'm shooting a video, I'm listening for the edit. So I'm interviewing someone and I'm listening to what they say and I'm thinking, okay, we'll put that there and we'll put this here. And just all the one-liners that he gave us were just phenomenal. He had uh, just some amazing things to say about his relationship with Sleet and how, you know, how underappreciated he was and, and that, you know, more people should know about him. Uh, but it's, it's hard to pick a favorite, but those, those three colleagues were just a joy and a privilege to interview. Drew, uh, the audio clip that we're going to hear in just a moment, um, tell us who we're going to hear. Sure. Uh, So we're going to hear from Ozir Muhammad, a colleague of Sleets and a Pulitzer Prize winner himself, and talking about the civil rights movement. And then also we'll hear from Vandell Cobb, who worked for uh, Johnson Publication in their Chicago office, talking about just the cool, calm, collected Sleet. And when I think about Manita, I think about how under appreciated he is. His legacy should have greater appreciation than it does. His, his recognition to be confined to people like myself, you know, people who are, you know, who are his counterparts. You know, every, I think every American should, not every American, maybe that's too broad, too grandiose of a notion, but I think, you know, People like Manita should be taught in schools, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, the climate that we live in now, we may not even know anything about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King in 25 years. His impact on photography was amazing. In the, he and Gordon Parks, you know, they were just, they're the mountaintop. He didn't tell any lies about anything photographically. Uh, his images spoke for themselves. I always say that uh, when you look at a photograph of Sleet, you always see Sleet. He's always in it somewhere. His personality, his knowledge. You know, and the funny thing about it is people didn't just start to feel this way about Sleet when he died. We felt this way about Sleet all along. You know, I'm sure Sleet wasn't a perfect man. But I can't think of one negative thing to say about the man. Not one. And never had a bad time at all. And he was 
sleep. Well, I want to thank uh, Drew Hardesty and, and Emmy Woosley for sharing uh, their thoughts and their their passion uh, for Monila Sleet Jr. Um, I hope uh, listeners uh, at the end of this podcast, you know a little bit more about him. Uh, and I hope in um, uh, months and years to come that you will uh, know even more about this, uh, this great Kentuckian, uh, such a friendly uh, person, a great smile, um, and uh, certainly someone that all Kentuckians need to be proud of and be lifted up. The first African-American photographer to ever win uh, the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, you don't get many first in this life. And, and uh, a guy from Owensboro, Kentucky uh, did it. So, Emmy, uh, just final words on um, on how proud uh, you are of uh, of the work that you've done, of the festival and, and what's uh, what's to come. I I mean, there there are just not enough words to express the joy and gratitude that we felt the night of the festival, but also just this momentum that we have moving forward. And there are so many ideas and so many different projects or avenues that we want to explore. And I encourage everybody to, to stay tuned. Um, we will have more things um, coming in the future and, and hopefully continue to tell the story of this just incredible um, Kentuckian that, that we should all know and love. And Drew, I hope we get to see your film soon. <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> Are you proud of your work? I am. I am proud of it. I, I think it's important to note that this was just a massive community effort. You know, that it wasn't just the Emmy and Drew show. There were several committee members that helped. And then the community itself was very supportive. The turnout for the festival was beyond what I ever thought it would be. Um, so it was just a real, I, I think the community really rallied behind sleep that day. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the work I've done. I've, I've grown to love this man I've never met and, and just through interviewing these people and, and hopefully I can, I can share this documentary with others. So they, they grow that love for them as well. Well, it's wonderful, uh, to, um, to meet you both and know the work that you did. And, uh, and I hope at K Kentucky Humanities, we can, uh, continue to work with you on this and, um, and, and we can, although we already are, but we can continue to be proud of Moneta Sleet Jr. also. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.